Brother Jackson. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. Turn around and greet somebody. Tell them you're glad they're here in the house of the Lord today. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated when you've done that. Well, I'm in a very precarious position, and that is I'm the last remaining obstacle between you and barbecue. That's not a good place to be, and especially when it drifts through the doors back there, and uh, my Bible class is going on. But we have been certainly blessed, challenged, helped, and all the other things that God adds to our lives. You know, God always meant for church to be a plus to you. If it's a negative, it's your fault. But God always meant for everything to be a profitable. His word shall prosper in the thing whereinto he has sent it. Amen. And that word will change your life change the way you think, change the way you talk, change the way you walk. Amen. It will change you. And I thank the Lord for that. I want to again say at this time that we appreciate the rich hospitality of Brother and Sister Spell. And they've just been so kind as always. And again, I love and appreciate these good, wonderful Christian people. And... Uh, Spell is such a unique individual, he and his wife, and I just really love and respect them very much. And they've treated us again royally and with such kindness, and I want them to know I appreciate it very much. And to the church here for all the hospitality here also and for uh, the provision of food and even for we have some of our people from Florida here that have been uh, not wouldn't have been able to make it if there hadn't been the provision of some of the dorms over here and I appreciate the fact that that was made available and again the hospitality of this church and of course you wouldn't have that if you didn't have a preacher that put it in the vein and uh, we appreciate that very much and then all that has went on into Brother White, I want him to know that I certainly admire his ability to hear from the Lord and to deliver it, that we might receive the things from the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, let me try to begin here today. We have been chewing from pieces from the Song of Solomon, and uh, as you will realize that in these four services, it certainly won't be exhaustive by any means. Matter of fact, I've been preaching, teaching on it in my own local assembly and have yet to get out, matter of fact, past verse 7, and uh, just so much that keeps coming to mind. But uh, so this is not by any means exhaustive, but if you'll stand with us today, 
we once again would call your attention primarily to the book of Ephesians. In the third chapter, and at verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye and this is the phrase that we have been dealing with being rooted and grounded in love being rooted and grounded in love and that brings about a process which you find in verse 18 you may be able to comprehend to understand all this is not head knowledge you'll only understand some things about God when you get rooted and grounded in love because God is love and you will not only you will not be able to comprehend nor understand until you get rooted and grounded in love faith yes but that faith is is from the fountain of rooted and grounded in love that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Isn't that your desire, that you would like to be filled with all the fullness of God? Praise the Lord. Amen. And then, once again, from the Song of Solomon, chapter 1, and today we're reading in verse 7. Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. For why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? Praise the Lord. As we have tried to say to you in the previous classes here that throughout the Song of Solomon, you see the allurement of Solomon that tries to uh, win this Shulamite woman from her true love, which is a shepherd, not Solomon. Solomon's not. He is the alluring. He is the one that is trying to allure her away from this one that is not physically present in this song until near the end of the whole book. But he's there every step of the way in her heart. And with every persuasion and every crafty move and every display of glory and you know, I was last yesterday we're talking about the glory of man you know and the Lord had a way of saying he said and you look at this lily Solomon in all his glory 
was not arrayed like that. What I can do for somebody far exceeds what kingship, what material wealth, what man's wisdom can do. But what I can do far exceeds man's glory. And you find and see him trying to allure her away with every device. As I told you before, the thing that you do not see, even though he, he is after her sensually, he cannot rape her. He cannot take her by force no more than the devil can take you by force. You've got to give yourself to him. Praise the Lord. And so the contest is the aroma, the fragrance of a shepherd that somehow always pervades when Solomon begins his ploys and his talks, her mind, her heart is helped by one man that she truly loves. And she holds true to that. She is faithful to her love, even though that he is not physically present her integrity, her fidelity, her strength and her courage is manifested in this throughout the Song of Solomon. Amen. And here she's saying in verse 7, Oh, where are you, who my soul lovest? Where is your flock? I'm not interested in other shepherds and other flocks. I want to know where you feed your flock. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today again for your goodness, your mercy. Thank you for the touch of the Holy Ghost that we feel in this place today. Touch our lives and our hearts that every soul would be fed by the power of the bread of life. Lord, that you would speak to us as only you can do. Direct us, Lord. Open our eyes that we might see and our hearts to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. In Ephesians it said that you might know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge. And as Brother White so ably preached the other night, it is, you've you got to have something that far surpasses just knowledge. We did, did not say, and he did not say, and I am not saying that knowledge is not important. But it is not the thing that can establish fully the relationship you need with God. Because there's a whole lot of backsliders out there today that know who Jesus is. Oh, yes, they do. They even know what the one and only plan of salvation is. They have a knowledge of that, but they are so far from him. That knowledge is not going to save them until they obey it, until they begin. And then when they obey it, they've got to have the other step of relationship, and that is to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Well, praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. That's why that in Proverbs, as we said earlier, that David said, there's some things too wonderful for me to understand and for I cannot even comprehend, and that is the uh, way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent on a rock, and uh, 
a ship in the sea. And then he said, and the fourth one is really tough, and that is the way of a man with a maid. Praise the Lord. Because it passeth knowledge, this relationship. It far goes beyond just knowledge. There are many titles, by the way, of God in this Bible. In Isaiah 9, 6, you have a catalog of descriptive adjectives, not names, but descriptive adjectives of the name. Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Those are all descriptive titles or adjectives of the name, which, thank God, we know what that name is, is Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. You also have in the Bible covenant titles of the Lord, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha, and all the other covenant titles, but not names. Amen. They are descriptive of his nature and descriptive of his power. But that there is another one that you don't hear a lot about. You find it in Exodus in the 34th chapter, and it says, My name is Jealous. He is a jealous God. That word jealous means intolerant of rivalry or unfaithfulness. And he is that. He is intolerant of rivalry or unfaithfulness. God's not going to have a bride that is a flirt. Well, praise the Lord. He's going to have a bride that is so caught up in one love, one relationship spiritually, and that is going to be the heartbeat of that bride's life, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. Well, praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. The continuing sin that you see illustrated throughout the Old Testament, the continuing sin of Israel was unfaithfulness to God. I still, for one, believe that worldliness is still a sin. I still believe that God gets upset about it. Amen. In First John... It says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Well, praise the Lord. I still believe worldliness is against this jealous God. Well, praise the Lord. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. We've come to the place where that substance is not important anymore. It's style, brother. That's the king. I was reading an almost humorous article, but it is sad and tragic that 
that this even takes place. But I was reading in some uh, periodical that I was reading. Be right back. That uh, to spark Sunday attendance in some church, I couldn't believe what I was reading. It said that they they put on a Sunday wrestling match. And they had practice, and they had Tugboat Taylor come and teach them how to hit the mat and how to pull hair and all the rest of that kick and twist and all the rest. And they had church employees that put on a wrestling match for and that was a Sunday morning service. I've been places where they didn't practice, but they tied up like that. They could have whipped Tugboat Taylor some places I've been. But it's sad and tragic that that's what, you know, This uh, somebody was talking the other night about Super Bowl Sunday, that some churches put up a big viewing screen of church even to get folks to come to church. I think that's pukified. I think it's hellish. I think it's so far from God, it's not even starting to be funny. Well, praise the Lord. It, it, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I wonder about folks that talk about going to heaven and can't even come to church. Right. Sunday morning, Sunday night, whatever it is, I'll tell you, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. If you love God, you'll love His house. Don't even start to tell me you have a firm relationship with Jesus Christ and can avoid the church. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But it's no longer substance that they, they like style. Yeah. That's why certain preachers, amen, are advocated because not uh, so much what they say. I see Brother Charles Phillips out here. He said one time in our church, he said he heard one preacher said the only way he could have said less was if he'd preached some more. I've heard that. Some folks are experts at saying much and saying nothing at the same time. Hallelujah. But this God is a jealous God. Don't get it don't get it messed up with the world's type jealousy. God is intolerant of a rival and of unfaithfulness. Oh, yes, he is. They provoked him to jealousy by going to strange gods. Idolatry. Amen. In John 8, whether they knew it or not, what they thought they were doing was really putting Jesus on the spot that they caught this woman in the act of adultery. That means that they, uh, you know, they knew the situation was fixing to take place and they already had this plan. And they caught her in the very act of adultery and brought her to Jesus. And says, we caught her in the very act of adultery. Now the Bible says, or the word, the law says, she ought to die for it. She ought to be stoned. What do you say? What they didn't realize was they brought a perfect picture of themselves to Jesus. 
an adulterous generation. They brought a perfect picture. And if he had said, yeah, and he, he did not deny the word, by the way. He didn't say, well, don't, you know, forget that. That doesn't mean that in this instance. That's not what he said at all. He just said, you that's without sin, you cast the first stone. Yeah, the law says that. You want to put her to death? One of you without sin? Start chunking. Which, by the way, a little Annie up here right now, those of you that ain't got any, any sin, you're, you, go ahead, you can do all the stone chunking you want to chunk. Well, praise the Lord. Some people think they're qualified stone throwers in church. And they all from the eldest to the youngest went away. What they didn't realize was they brought a perfect picture of themselves. Unfaithful, adulterous to Jesus. What do you say? You know what he said? I don't mean just right then, but in essence what his reply was, was Calvary was his reply. I ought to put the whole bunch of you to death. Something and somebody's going to pay for this. And so he went to Calvary and paid the price. Aren't you glad for that? When we deserved hell, but thank God, amen, Calvary was made and a way of deliverance was made. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's why the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy that I may present or to espouse you to one husband and I may present you to Christ as a chaste virgin. Praise the Lord. Amen. The ministry still is with godly jealousy over the church. You can call that anything you want to, but as long as when they're preaching against worldly and they're preaching against rivals and they're preaching against unfaithfulness, it is a godly jealousy that is being preached to you. Praise the Lord. So, I am convinced that there are so many Pentecostal people sitting on pews that truth to them, buy the truth and sell it not, and loving the truth, they think we're talking primarily about this leather-bound, ink-marked book. They think we're talking words only. should love the truth. Matter of fact, in Second Thessalonians, let me read this to you, amen, in the second chapter. In verse 7, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. And then he tells you why they perish. 
why these signs and lying wonders deceived them. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Praise the Lord. We're talking rooted and grounded in love. But we got so many Pentecostal oneness people sitting on pews that when they talk about love and the truth, they can see no further than this leather book, amen, and these, these letters that are put on these pages. I'm telling you, it far supersedes what I've got in my hand today. It far supersedes just loving a material object that I've got in my hand. It much far supersedes that. To love the truth means more than just loving the pages of this Bible and the words that you can read. Amen. Like I said, too many people, it's just words we're talking about. It's almost like you know, uh, to some people, that's why they never can get in love with it. It's almost like telling them, and this is truth. I think most everybody here would agree that this is truth. Two plus two equals four. I appreciate knowing that. It helps me. I got a knowledge of it. I understand it, but I don't love it. Because it is a dead mathematical equation. There is no personality in 2 plus 2 equals 4. There is no person represented in 2 plus 2 equals 4. It is a dead, lifeless, bloodless, spiritless formula. It has no life, no personality. There is no person behind 2 plus 2, even though it's true. But I cannot say that I get up and say, oh, I love math. I didn't when I was in school, and I still don't. Matter of fact, if there's anything that I didn't like, it was math. Praise the Lord. Maybe some of you are in love with it. Maybe you just get up and rub your slide rule and say, oh, wonderful slide rule. And bow down to it. And love it. Just hug it to your chest and get it, get your, get your math book and just start kissing it all over. I'm so in love with math. Right? No, you don't, you don't, that's truth. You know it, you appreciate it, it does things for you. That you'll never fall in love with two plus two equals four. And if this is only dead, dry rhetoric. You'll never fall in love with this either. It is more than just leather bound book. It is more than just that. So much more. According to John 14, reading at verse 4 and reading down, please, if you would please, Brother Jackson. And whither I go, ye know, Jesus says, and whether I go, you know. And the way, you know. And the way, you know. Now, Jesus tells them flat out, where I'm going, you know, and the way I'm going, you know. Thomas saith unto Now, listen, him, to how, listen to how much this still fits today. Jesus makes a, a complete declaration. You, I'm going, you know where I'm going, and you know the way I'm going. 
And Thomas says to him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. He contradicts him right to his face. Jesus said, you know the way and you know where I'm going. And Thomas said, we don't either. And how can we know the way? And how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him. Hold it right there. Right there, Thomas is thinking of road maps. He's thinking of go left at yonder corner, go four miles and turn east. Even go till you pass over the fifth hill. Even if you come to a picket fence and turn right. Praise the Lord is what he's thinking about. I want to know the way. I don't know. You hadn't told us the directions. Jesus said, you do know the way and you do know how to get there. He said, we don't either. But does that exasperate preachers or not? You tell them what the book says and they turn around and say, we don't either. Well, praise the Lord. A lot more Thomas is around than you would like to believe there is. But look what Jesus says. Instead of giving him road map directions, he says, Thomas, you've missed the whole point of what I'm telling you. You do know the way, and you do know how to get there. Because he said to Thomas, I am the way. I am the way. The truth. The truth. And the life. And the life. No, no, man, cometh unto the no man cometh unto the Father. By me. But by me. Praise the Lord. He said, you do know the way. And you do. And he said, we don't know. And he said, you see, you're looking for roadmap directions. But I'm talking to you about me. I'm talking to you about a personality. I'm talking to you about a real living, even essence that's in your midst. And when you know me, you know the way. And when you know me, you know the truth. And when you know me, you know the life. Because I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, praise the Lord. And if you are one of those that just thinks when we say that you got to love the truth, we're talking about words only. We're talking about more than that. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about more than just rhetoric. We're talking about a living God that lives in you. Well, praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Throughout the Song of Solomon, what is... What is it she's experiencing here, especially in verse 7? Even all thou whom I so lovest. Is she having some type of physical uh, togetherness with this shepherd that's not even there? While it's Solomon's trying to allure her? Of course not. All right. She is connecting by spirit to her shepherd. Solomon may be here physically. But my heart is communing with one that is so much dear to me that your physical presence can't change his touch in my life. Well, praise the Lord. Amen, amen. I'll tell you what, when temptation comes and the physical is at arm's reach, the only thing that makes the difference is what's going on right here. You can be the unfaithful one that makes and provokes him to jealousy. Amen. This is a shepherd she's talking about. Thy flock. Where is your flock? 
Jesus said, My sheep know my voice. And another they will not follow. Solomon, while he's sitting right at the banquet table trying to say, See all this finery and all these gold dishes and all this silver and all this and all this uh, array of splendor and all this. Amen. I want to give all this to you. But all the time he's doing that, her mind is already buzzed out somewhere else and she's thinking about a shepherd. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And she's hearing while Solomon's talking, she's hearing his voice. Not Solomon's, I mean his voice. That's why the book opens like it does. I mean, right first, right out of the box, it just jumps out there and says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. She's not talking about Solomon. She's talking about, I want some intimate personal affection from my shepherd. Hallelujah. It always overrides what's at arm's reach. If what's in here, amen, doesn't want to reach. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Some people are only good at, at denying temptation if there's somebody watching over their shoulder. Yeah. Yet they know the preacher's fixing to find out. Amen. And all the rest. That's why when judgment is not swiftly executed, they're setting their heart to do more evil. You may get by, but you'll never get away. Hallelujah. My sheep know my voice. And another... They will not follow. Her desire is, while Solomon's carrying on all this allurement and, and, the, and all the prestige he's trying to put up, amen, her mind is saying, I wonder where my shepherd is today. Where he's feeding his flock. See, Solomon got all the tables set with all this finery and all this fine king's food. And she's saying, I wonder where the shepherd's feeding his flock today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Because my sheep know my voice, therefore I have to drive them. No, it said they follow me. Amen. We have a picture in our church that is, I like it because it is the real Eastern picture of a shepherd, not the Americanized or, or even European sometimes, but the shepherd is out front of the sheep. He's not behind them like a cowboy, and he's not running them with dogs. He is not driving them. He is leading them. My sheep know my voice, and another they will not follow. Amen. I just, for the life of me, just cannot get it in my understanding or comprehension how anybody that really would know Jesus' name, baptism, the formula of, of Acts 2.38, amen, could ever, 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 ever hobnob, amen, with anything that teaches anything different. Amen. There's only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. You hear me? I said there's only one Lord. That one Lord is that one shepherd, amen, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. My sheep know my voice and another they will not follow. That means because if it means that they know his voice and it means they don't recognize the voice of the others. There are many shepherds out there. Many flocks out there. And that's what she's saying. Amen. Is that there are many shepherds and many flocks but I don't want to turn aside to all those other ones. I'm interested in that flock. Hallelujah. You know, from a secular point of view, 
Christianity is just one religion among many in the world. You know, from a secular point of view, many shepherds and many sheep. And then from among so-called Christianity, out of some 250 so-called different denominations, there's only one real flock. Right. Well, that's the way I believe it. And I believe that's what that book teaches. That's right. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's not a matter of personality. Amen. It's not a matter of, of, of social, social standing, why there are all these different things. It's a matter of deception is why there's so many different ones. But there's still only one shepherd and one flock. There's still only one shepherd. He's got only one flock. There's still only one shepherd. He's got only one flock. And that one flock will recognize his voice, repent, and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And another they will not follow. And they will love that message. Because it is more than just words on paper. It's Him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, you know, a lot of folks end up being surprised when you tell them in most evangelical groups, you know, that really what they're so-called beliefs is built on. It's not really biblical at all, but it's built on creeds. Not Bible. Praise the Lord. It's amazing that when you try to tell them, I remember how it was with me. I wasn't born and raised in this. Wasn't brought up on an apostolic view. But I remember the first time they told me, the except the Lord is your personal Savior is not in your Bible. I said, get out of here. But you know what? I started looking. Lo and behold, it ain't there. Right. And somebody said, well, you've got to understand that Romans means that. No, Romans means what it says. First off, Romans is not written to sinners to begin with. It's written to folks that's already obeyed the gospel. It's an epistle to the Romans, amen, that are already obeyed Acts 2.38. Matter of fact, amen, the religious world will quote, amen, the third instance of they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, amen, not realizing that there's two instances before that in your Bible that it comes to. The first one is in the Old Testament. Praise the Lord. In the Psalms, they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's where it is quoted from. Amen. The second instance of that is in the chapter of Acts just before they, uh, they come to the knowledge of the truth. And that is that it says, and they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then when they stood up and said, men and brethren, amen, what must we do? Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so when you go to Romans, uh, you've got to go back to Acts uh, and realize Acts 2.38 is the answer. Well, praise the Lord. I'm so glad I know there's one shepherd and one flock. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. The doctrine of the Trinity is a creed, not Bible. Praise the Lord. It was formulated, of course, the Council of Nicaea, 325 A.D. It is a man-made creed with religious-sounding overtones. 
And believe me, that fools a lot of people if you make it sound religious. For Satan becomes an angel of light. Hallelujah. It's documented, not by... These are not oneness people per se that I'm fixing to read just a few excerpts of. These are documented uh, reference material that anybody in the world can go look up that testifies against them on south. Dictionary of the Bible, James Hastings. He's not a oneness man. The original form of words was into the name of Jesus Christ or the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism into the Trinity was a later development. Caney Encyclopedia. The early church always baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus until the development of the Trinity. Afterward, they were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I said, this is not one that's right writing. This is not Mr. Brother Bernard. This is, this is world stuff. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. New Catholic Encyclopedia. The first use of the Latin word Trinity with reference to God is found in Tertullian's writings about 213 A.D. He was the first to use the term persons in a Trinitarian context. Not Paul, not Peter. Well, maybe it's like Brother Major said, we knew all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This testifies against them. Creed, not Bible. The Encyclopedia Americana. The word Trinity is not in Scripture. We knew that. I didn't have to read the Encyclopedia Americana to know that. Did you? What about the rest of y'all? The term persons is not applied in Scripture to the Trinity. World Book Encyclopedia. Belief in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost was first defined by the earliest general council of churches. This was the first council of Nicaea in 325 A.D. Nicaean Creed, American Encyclopedia, edition 1983. Britannica. The triune and trinity formula was not used from the beginning. And up until the third century, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ only was widespread. Baptism formula changed by the Roman Catholic Church. Now the formula of Rome is I baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. New International Encyclopedia. The Trinity doctrine of Catholic faith is this. Is this. We worship one in Trinity, but there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, another of the Holy Ghost. The glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. However, this doctrine is not found and is fully developed formed in the Scripture. Can you imagine such presumption? To say this is what we believe, but it's not fully, fully developed in the Scripture. Hallelujah. Encyclopedia International, the doctrine of Trinity did not form from part of the apostles' preaching, as is, this is reported in the New Testament. International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. No record of the Trinitarian former can be discovered in the Acts of the Epistles or of the Apostles. Well, praise the Lord. 
We knew all that, right? What I'm saying is that is not oneness writers. These are reference books you can go to any public library and find. They are there. Many shepherds, many sheep. But I'm glad that I know today who Jesus really is. I'm glad I know the formula. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, amen, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall praise the Lord. Amen. That's why it is necessary. I'm not interested in manuals and creeds. I'm interested in what does say the Word of God. And when you say the Word of God, you're talking about Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh. And that Word was manifested in flesh. That's who I love. The way, the truth, and the life. Which is Jesus Christ. Amen. It's necessary. Absolutely essential. Amen. For Christians to base their beliefs on nothing else but the book. This stance alone safeguards us from error. It's the only thing that will. Preaching is the only thing that will, will continue to keep the church sanctified. The only thing. 1 Corinthians 3 and 11. Can we write that one down? Yes, sir. For other foundation... For other foundation can no man lay can no man lay than that is laid than that which is already laid which is Jesus Christ which is Jesus Christ there is no other fact that you you don't have and cannot build amen anything that doesn't have the right foundation and that foundation is Jesus Christ it is not the Trinity amen it is not some other formula it is Jesus Christ himself the way the truth and the life no wonder he told Peter upon this rock amen that's what you build on a foundation upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it he's talking about building it on him the revelation of the mighty God in Christ is the foundation of the truth that no man can lay any other foundation. Praise the Lord. All right. Amen. I've seen, you know, they have all these classes sometimes and courses for, uh, you know, teaching Mormon doctrine and teaching uh, Camelite and all that. I don't, I don't need too much into that. It's not necessary to study false doctrine to be able to identify them. I said it's not necessary to study false doctrine. It's better to study and love the truth. And then any discrepancies are obvious when they show up. I'll make this statement to you, and this is what she's saying here. And if you know the true shepherd, you're not going to end up in the wrong flock. That's right. Praise the Lord. Why? Because when you get the Holy Ghost, you didn't just get goose pimple razor. You know, to some people, the Holy Ghost is only a, a, a emotional button puncher. Well, I'm telling you, it's a whole lot more than that. I thank God for the feeling, but I tell you what, it's a whole lot more than that. It's a whole lot more than just make goosebumps raise up and down your back. You actually received, which without it, you are completely without any ability to find the way. You have received the spirit of truth. Since Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, then who did you get? Jesus Christ, didn't you? The hope of glory. Amen. Not the second person of the Godhead and not the third person of the Godhead. You got God himself. 
in the spirit form that he is, and that is what the spirit of truth is. And it's always, always, always based on scripture. You start telling me about what the Holy Ghost told you and it can't be backed up in this book, I'm sorry, you're lying on God. Hallelujah. There's some of these people hear all kind of stuff, but I'm telling you, this word is the judge of everything. The spirit will not deny itself. It will not lie. It will not contradict this book. Hallelujah. I don't care what you heard, what you felt. If it's against the word of God, it's not God. Hallelujah. Because the spirit of truth is always based on scripture. Look at Luke 24, verse 4 through 8, please. And it came to pass. And it came to pass. As they were much perplexed thereabout. And they were, that what is happening is that they went to the tomb there. Amen. And they are, stones rolled away. He's gone. They came to specially anoint his body and to present these things at the sepulcher. When they got there, he's gone, and they are much perplexed. What perplexed means? It means very much puzzled, yeah. very confused. Don't understand. Uh, what's going on? Right? Now, if Jesus had never gave them even a hint, then they're, they are uh, okay to be perplexed. If Jesus had never said anything about any of this, amen, then they are correct to be perplexed. But that's not the story. Because what it says is, read, Elder. Behold, two men stood by them. And these angels stand by them. In shining garments. In shining garments. And as they were afraid. And as they were afraid. And bowed down their faces to the earth. Yes. They said unto them. The angels say unto them. Why seek ye the living among the dead? Oh, that's a good question to start out with to begin with. Why seek ye the living among the dead? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Why seek ye the living among the dead? Anything that is not of this book is dead. I don't care how, how doctorized it sounds. I don't care how proficient it sounds. I don't care what kind of orator they can spit out. It's still dead. For only the Spirit can give life. Only the Spirit is alive. It is dead. What seek ye the living among the dead? Somebody said, I'm going to go where they got luck for the young people. I'll tell you what the young people need is the Holy Ghost touch. The Holy Ghost experience uh, running the aisles talking in tongues and loving God praise the Lord hallelujah this isn't like driving down a highway and deciding whether you're going to take Motel 6 or Hampton Inn you got to find the truth praise the Lord he said why are you seeking living among the dead for that's the first question then he says read minute I lost my place he is not here but is risen he is not here but he's risen remember how he spoke whoa hold it what was that word remember remember everybody say remember like I said if he had never hinted at it they got a right to be perplexed they got a right to be confused they got a right to be puzzled but he said remember don't you remember how he spake how he spake to you unto you yes when he was yet in Galilee. When he was yet in Galilee. Saying the Son of Man. Saying the Son of Man. Must be delivered. Must be delivered. Into the hands of sinful men. Into the hands of sinful men. And be crucified. And be crucified. And the third day rise and again. And the third day 
may rise again. So what are you folks standing here looking so puzzled about when he's already told you? I'll tell you a problem. You forgot what he said. You didn't remember his voice. You are in a perplexed, puzzled situation because you are thinking from remembering what he said. I'm telling you that same thing happens to you and to me. When you start forgetting this book, you're going to get puzzled. You're going to get confounded. You're going to get very perplexed. But if you can remember the word of the Lord, it will straighten it all out. Right. Because the next verse says, And they remembered. And they remembered the word of the Lord. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's what happened. I'm amazed how many people in this generation, in a lovers of pleasure generation, how few even oneness apostolic people have a love for the Word of God. Music, yeah. And I like music this part of it. I'm going to tell you this right now. If you see Jesus, you're going to have to remember His Word. Are you going to get so perplexed, so confused, you won't know which way's up, out, in, or aside. Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. Confused people are always people that need the Word of God. That's not the only instance. Cleophas and his compadre were going down the Emmaus Road. That's about seven miles from Jerusalem. And uh, they too are confused. And uh, they remembered a little bit more than what these ladies did, for they remembered that at least the third day had something to do with it, but they didn't wait for its fullness. Amen. They're already headed home. And this stranger, you won't recognize Jesus until you recognize His Word. You won't recognize Him. That's why... The world doesn't know this Jesus. They preach another Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, you're right. And they don't recognize him. And it was strange. And he said, hey, fellas, what's wrong with you? Why is your countenance so sad? They said, what are you, a stranger in Jerusalem if you don't know what's been going on? And they told to him, rehearsed to him, and, and this is the third day, and, and we had believed, past tense, that he was going out hope. But now all that's over with, and I'm going home. How easy people give up when they don't latch on to the Word of God. And they walked and He began to open to them the Scripture. And they got home and it said that Jesus made as though He would go further. He wasn't kidding either. He wasn't acting. He wasn't playing with them. It just means that He went to step on out to go, but they besought Him. No more than Jesus will kick your door down to get to you. It's behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, open, you gotta want him to come in. And he came in, he sat down, and up to now he's still that stranger, even though he's been talking to them about the scripture. But he picks up the bread and he blesses it. When he breaks it, Instantly their eyes were opened and they knew who he was. 
Your mind must have instantly drifted back to that hillside. 5,000 men along. When the master blessed and break the bread. Hallelujah. Bread representative of the word of God. And began to feed that great multitude. And when now he breaks the bread, their eyes were open and he vanished out of their sight. And you know what they did? Amen. And they didn't tarry. They got up and headed back to Jerusalem. I personally believe they was in the upper room. Hallelujah. When the Holy Ghost comes. You know why? Amen. Because that they got turned around in time. Praise the Lord. And it was through the word of God. Jesus discussed with them the word of God. He told them how that it was going to be and how that it was fulfilled. I want you to understand something today. Amen. The only thing that turned me and you around so many times has been Jesus walked uh, and Jesus talked uh, until you came to the realization it's God's word hallelujah amen amen praise the Lord hallelujah so the spirit of truth is always based on scripture hallelujah it will not deny Jesus Christ it's faithful to him 1 John 2, 18 through 23. Little children. Yes. It is the last time. It is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come. Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists. Even now there are many Antichrists. Many shepherds. Many flocks. Whereby we know that it is the last time. Whereby we know that it is the last time. One of the things that is a signal of the last time, one of the most prevalent signs, some people looking for moon turn to blood and all that, the thing that the Bible speaks of the most prevalent time and the sign of the last days is deception and false prophets. If that's not something that signals you, tells you Jesus is coming soon and you're just not paying attention. Hallelujah. We'll not deny him. Read, please. They went out from us. They went out from us. But they were not of us. They were not of us. For if they had been of us, they had been with us, they would no doubt have continued with us. They had stayed with it. But they went out. But they went out. That they might be made manifest. Yes. That they were not all of us. They were not all of us. But ye have an unction. But ye have an unction. From the Holy One. From the Holy One. That ye know all things. That you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth. I'm not writing to you because you don't know the truth. But because you know it. Because you do know it's the reason. Let me tell you. That some things you can only receive if you know some things. Amen. There is Jesus made it emphatically clear that you don't cast your pearl before swine. And you don't put that before that which doesn't recognize it, nor value it, nor understand it. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, some churches don't deserve. Because they treat it like a base thing. They root it in the ground. They have no value for pearls. Hallelujah. Read. But because you know it. Because you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. That no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? Who is a liar? But he that denied that Jesus is the Christ. That denies Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist. He is Antichrist. That denieth the Father and the Son. That denies the Father and the Son. 
Praise the Lord. And they said, well, see, that's talking about two. No, he said, you have the Father, you have the Son. You got the Son, you got the Father. Amen. Jesus said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Amen. He is the one and only one. He is the everlasting Father. His name is Jesus Christ. That doesn't just mean the Father of eternity. It means the Father, period, forever and ever and ever. And his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And everything that is of a lie is not of the truth. You can't mix one grain of error and come out okay. Whosoever denied the Son, whosoever denied the Son, the same hath not the Father. The same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth, but he that acknowledgeth, the Son has the, son, the Father also. The same has the Father also. Well, praise the Lord. When you acknowledge the Son, you automatically got the Father. I said when you acknowledge the Son, you automatically got the Father because He is the Father. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, I know this is so elementary to you. I know you know, you know, you know, you know. Praise the Lord. But I'll tell you what, we stop preaching some things and you'll be surprised how soon they don't know. Hallelujah. Praise God. They sought to kill Jesus when he healed the man at the pool of Bethesda. They were mad at him. They weren't mad at him. Because he healed him. No, no, no. They were mad because he did it on the Sabbath. And they sought to kill him. And in John 5, 39 and 40, it says, Search the Scripture. Search the Scripture. This is his reply to them. For in them, for in them, ye think you, ye have, think eternal you life. have eternal life. For yeah. they are the ones that testify and you seek to kill me. The reason you're going against me is because you don't know the Scripture. And when they don't baptize in Jesus' name, it's because they don't know the Scripture. And when they don't honor Him as God and God alone and His name is Jesus, it's because they don't know the Scripture. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. And they seek to kill Him. First John 4, 1 through 3. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Don't believe every spirit. But try the spirits. But try the spirits. Whether they are of God. Whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are going out many into the shepherds, world. Many shepherds, many false prophets are going out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Hereby ye know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth. Every spirit that confesseth. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Yes, and every spirit that confesseth not. And every spirit that confesseth not. That Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. That Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come. It should come. And even now already is Whoa, in the and world. And even now is already in the world. Praise the Lord. That denies what? That Jesus Christ is coming to flesh. Amen. Trinitarians will not. They deny that fact. They tell you the son was, the, the, the begotten son was not begotten at all. Amen. That he was eternal son. Amen. Which is a lie of this book, by the way. Amen. The Bible never uses the term God the son not one time. Amen. He's called the son of God because that's what he is. Amen. That blood, was born at Bethlehem was the flesh that the great God of Almighty inhabited and filled it for great is the mystery of godliness for God was manifest in the flesh and to 
does that. Right. Praise the Lord. And that makes them anti-Christ. So let's say it's a matter of semantics, I beg your pardon. Amen. It's a matter of eternal salvation. That's right. If you believe not that I am he, this he's making the Father, you will die yeah. in your sin. Why? Because there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. So don't ever deny the scripture. He'll never deny Jesus Christ. He won't deny the spirit. Amen. The, the apostle Peter himself stood up and said, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. He said, this is the fulfillment, which was what? The infilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise the Lord. Every writer of the New Testament ascribes to the necessity of the Holy Ghost. The spirit of Antichrist said, it's not necessary. It's an optional blessing. Aren't you received it and didn't know you got it? bad thing about that is when you lose it, you don't know it neither. Another gospel. Many sheep, many shepherds. She says, I want to know yeah. where your flock is. I don't want to turn aside to these other shepherds and other flocks. I want to know where you feed thy flock. Oh, that's good. Hallelujah. In Galatians, Paul refutes those that were preaching another gospel. I marvel. Yes, I marvel. That you are so soon removed from so him. So soon removed. Let me tell you how you get soon removed. If you're not rooted and grounded, as Ephesians says, in love, something's going to come along. It's going to take you out. Hallelujah. You can't just do this because to please mama, to please daddy. You can't do this to please preacher. You can't do it, amen, just to somehow, even so-called, just to escape hell. But you've got to be rooted and grounded in love. You've got to fall from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet in love with Jesus Christ. Amen. Wanting to please Him. Amen. That you will not entangle yourself in the affairs of this world. And you will not be worldly. That you will be so happy to live like He wants you to live. It's not restrictive. It's not prohibited. Our prohibitions against us. It is blessed liberty to be able to know Him in the fullness of the Holy Ghost and in the fullness of His way. Which is holiness by the way. Way of holiness. Well, praise the Lord. Which we spoke of here yesterday about the hair. Hallelujah. Some of you again, if you ever put start snipping the ends of your hair. Amen. Let me tell you, you're not rooted and grounded in love. You don't even know the meaning of it. Praise the Lord. Unto another gospel. Unto another gospel. Which is not another. Which is not another. But there be some Because that he's backing up you. Ephesians 4, 5 there. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. He can't leave that just saying another gospel. He's got to say which is not another. Well, praise the Lord. But there be some that trouble you. But there be some that will trouble you. And would pervert the gospel. And would pervert the gospel. But though we are an angel from heaven. Oh, Lord. But though we are an angel, he puts himself in the crowd. If we, if somewhere down the line, I change my voice and start telling you something different than what I'm telling you now, let him be accursed. 
Well, praise the Lord. These that have went back on it. I still recall messages of men that have, have long since gave up on this. But you know what? I still remember a message they preached for it too. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm still sticking with it. You hear me? I'm not falling by the wayside because somebody else did. You know why? I'm rooted and grounded in love that I might comprehend the love of Christ. That passeth knowledge. Well, praise the Lord. Put your hands together and praise Him here just a minute. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. There is only one gospel. Well, that's the only thing you can come up with there. Amen. A lot of them, them folks out there because that they want to, want you to, uh, you know, say they're okay. They're, they're going to say, you're saved, I'm saved, so don't you turn around and say I'm not. Well, praise the Lord. Or your baptism's okay and mine's okay too. Because it doesn't really matter. It matters eternally. Amen. Second Corinthians eleven four. Listen to these another's that are in here. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus. If he preaches another Jesus. Whom ye have not preached. Oh, whom we have not preached. Or if you receive another spirit. Or if you receive another spirit. Which ye have not received. Which you have not received. If it didn't come with tongue talking, you didn't get the right one. Or another I gospel. said if it didn't come with tongue talking, you didn't get the right one. If you didn't get it by speaking in tongues when the Holy Ghost came, you didn't get the right one. Or another gospel which you have not accepted. And another gospel which you have not accepted. You might well bear with him. Oh, don't not bear well with him. Don't stick with that. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Why? Because it says, believe not every spirit. I don't care what kind of manifestations they got going. I don't care what kind of crowds they get together. That's right. If they preach another Jesus, another gospel, another spirit, you're not supposed to bear well with it. Well, praise the Lord. You're supposed to try the spirits whether they be of God or not. And let me ask you something. How you do that? Just like, no. Trial means put it on trial. Get a judge up in the judgment seat, which is not you. You're the one. See, a trial is supposed to, in its real essence, supposed to be this. A device to find the truth of the matter. And then make the proper judgment according to the truth. That's why witnesses for this and witnesses for that, amen, and all those other things are brought together, amen, to determine what the truth of the matter is. Amen, you're not the judge, but the Word judges all things. And I can talk to the judge. I can read from the judge. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And when it said try every spirit, I'm telling you, it's not done with goosebumps. It's done with the Word of God. Amen. You try them according to the Word of the Lord. And if it doesn't fit this book, hallelujah. Brother Majors talked about his dad coming in and putting his Bible down and said it's not of God. That's just exactly what I'm talking about here today. Amen. If it doesn't fit this book, it's not of God. I don't care how many people are giving it hand claps. I don't care what kind of signs and wonders they got. If it goes against Acts 2.30, and the principle of living for God is not God. That's right. Well, praise the Lord anyhow. Some of y'all ain't jarred your feet this whole service. I wonder about what you think about truth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Try out the spirits. Hallelujah. Fear they be of God. Hallelujah. 
being rooted and grounded in love is what it's all about. Yes. That's why when Solomon comes on strong here, what she's remembering is not so much his physical touch, but his words. Yeah. Will you feed your flock? She recalls the conversations. While Solomon's beating his gums and trying to allure her, her mind, she may be looking at him, but her mind is on shepherd. You ever seen that happen? You know, here comes this young lady, young man, they get so infatuated with somebody. Here in the midst of these boys, they're all talking fishing, and he says things like, man, ain't she got a cute nose? And they say, uh, what? It just slipped in there. Yeah. The little girls with all the girls and they're they're talking girl talk. And she says something like, Boy, he's got the I really like his chin. Just popped in and they say, What are you talking about? Same thing goes when the devil starts feeding with if there's any purity, holiness, goodness. Godliness, think on these things because what you think about will ultimately determine what you do. Thinking produces the quality of our life. And what you think about the most is what you are pulled to, delved to, and are gathered into. Well, praise the Lord. Think. On these things. Is she just thinking about his features? Oh no, it far surpasses that. She is rooted and grounded in love. Solomon, go ahead and do all the display of, of, of wealth and might and glory that you want to put on. But you see, the real story is you're wasting your time. My shepherd, I am my beloved's and he is mine. Can you say that today? Can you really say that to the Lord? Praise the Lord. When Solomon comes with all of his display, can you say, I hear you, but I don't hear you because I'm hearing something else. I'm walking to the beat of a different drum. I know his voice. Second Thessalonians 2 and 10. And with all deceivableness, Yes. Of unrighteousness. Yes. In them that perish. In them that perish. Because they receive not the love of the truth. Because they receive not the love of the truth. That they might be saved. That they might be saved. Praise the Lord. Stand with me, please, would you? Jesus said again, we quoted this several times already. If you love Keep my commandments. Colossians says that in all things that he might receive the preeminence. He must be preeminent in everything you do. She says, I want to know, O thou whom my soul loveth, I want to know where you're feeding your flock. 
I'm not going to turn aside these other shepherds and other flocks because your flock is the one I'm interested in. Maybe a lot of them out there more charismatic, even more handsome, even bigger flocks. I'm not interested. I'll pass them all by. All the flocks across yonder hills and all the shepherds. And I'm not interested. I want to know where my flock feedest. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I want to go to the flocks of others. Closing here today, I want to read just from the book of John, chapter 6. So familiar. But you see, the time came. It would have been very easy to go away. Jesus tells them he's the bread of life. He tells them except that you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. They said, whoa, this is a strong, hard saying. Well, you tell a bunch of Jews to drink blood and you've already started a riot. Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. He just told them just for that, I am the bread of life. Your fathers that ate the bread that fell in the wilderness, they're dead. But I am the true bread that cometh down from heaven. Except you eat this bread eat my flesh and drink my blood you don't have no part that hour many went away Jesus and many therefore of his disciples when they heard this said this is a hard saying who can hear it my sheep know my voice follow me when Jesus knew it himself the disciples murmured at it he said unto them does this offend you are you offended? What? And if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up into heaven where he was before? It is a spirit that quickeneth. That word quickeneth means life, giveth life. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore I said unto you that no man shall come unto me except to be given unto him of my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. I want to know. You know, he didn't say, man, this is, yeah, there ain't no problem with me. He was just as 
troubled as the rest of them was. But he knew one thing. I ain't going nowhere else. I may not get all this right now. Let me tell you, folks, if there's any new converts just recently have prayed through the Holy Ghost, and some things you don't quite understand yet, stick with it. It'll come. When you hear it preached, do it. Whatever he said, then you do it. And, and the comprehension will come. But Peter says, To whom shall we go? You're the shepherd. You have one flock. I'm going to stay with you, Jesus. Maybe a little tough right now and tight, but I'm staying with you, Lord. Because there's no place else to go. Oh, tell me whom thou my soul lovest. Where you feedest the flock. You come through those doors and Jesus is still feeding his flock. You ought to get so excited that he's brought his flock together to break the bread of life. That you might be partakers of his divine nature. Praise the Lord. This is his bride, his church. The one he's fixing to call out of here that is made without spot, without wrinkle or any such thing. One who the marriage supper of the Lamb is all prepared. I'm going to pass by Solomon, you and your banquet table. i got a marriage supper coming. Hallelujah. Amen. Go ahead and have all your delicacies here, but i got one coming that's a marriage supper of the Lamb that you can't even start to understand. Well, praise the Lord. Put your hands together and love the Lord here today, would you? Rooted and grounded in love. I will follow where he
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, then you can ask what you will, and it shall be done. There's got to be a commitment to him on your part. His words has got to abide in you. This is more than a good feeling. It's more than a quick stop for all of your needs to be met. Even this is learning how to live in him and live in his word. Could you thank him one more time for the teaching of the word of the Lord today? Amen. So clear, so distinct, so wonderful. Such a revelation. Thank God. We thank God for it today. Even the food is ready. They're ready to serve you.